1: For the best Championship, League One and League Two coverage, Acton Mool recommends the Football League Paper. It's got it all covered. For the complete EFL picture, get the Football League Paper, £1.50 every Sunday, or visit theleaguepaper.com for a variety of digital subscriptions. The Football League Paper. It's got it covered. You're listening to Achtung Law, broadcasting from the beautiful South Bermondsey. Accept no substitute. Well, hello, dear listeners. Welcome to a short, sharp, wham, bam, thank you, ma'am, edition of Achtung Law. My name is Nick Hart. This is, of course, the number one podcast broadcasting from South Bermondsey. We're due to play Burnley later tonight, dear listeners. Uh, in the, what's become called the EFL Cup, the Carabao Cup, which is some kind of high energy drink from uh, from Thailand, apparently. I've never actually bought a can of Carabao. I don't know if you have. But It occurred to me Mill versus Burnley. Um, it's a fixture. I know Burnley are in the Premier League these days, and are you know they they they, they sit with the uh, the highest in the land, and manager Sean Dyche is even now, you know, uh, making un, unwise comments on. Twitter about the uh, you know the, the the need for lack of need as he sees it for the the highest of football to support those that are destitute in the world thanks to COVID. Anyway, we won't dwell on that for too long. Uh, so we know that Burnley these days are a Premier League side, but for much of the uh, time that we've played them over our history, um, they've been a fairly middling um, second division, third division side. Uh, now it occurred to me, Mill versus Burnley, it's. It's a fixture that's never actually generated any standout memories in my mind. You know, many clubs you come across in this, in this life, um, you, you can think of moments or situations or games where you know something's happened or there's a rivalry, or you know, there's some kind of electricity when you mention the fixture. But Mill versus Burnley, um, and I'm just looking at Eleven versus Eleven com, which is a football record site. To me, it's never generated any great games. You, you correct me if you think I'm wrong. If you can think of a Mill versus Burnley game that's um, electrified your pulse, you know, got it, got the old um, synapses racing in your in your mind. I can't think of any off the top of my head. Last time we played Burnley was in 2013-14. Uh, that was a two-all draw at home in November 2013. Mill two, Burnley two. I can't remember that game, can you, dear listener? And then um, an away loss in the February 2014, 3 uh, 1 to Burnley up there at, uh, at Turf Moor. It's the proverbial tough away fixture, a Northern away fixture in our world. Maybe it's the same from their perspective coming down to, to the den. It, it's one of those fixtures that has, um, you know, kind of home advantage built into it. I know a trip to Burnley historically was always a bit of a naughty day out, naughty bastard day out, so to speak. Um, and certainly my memories from the the 70s was that when Burnley came to the Den, they were one of the few teams that would actually, um, you know, give it a go. Um, And you know what I mean by that, dear listener. I know you have a certain vintage. If you're listening to this nostalgic show, you know what I mean by the fact that, uh, I say, Burnley and Cardiff were one of the few clubs that would come and give it a go at the Den um, with, uh, you know, hilarious uh, results, of course. So Millwall v Burnley is not exactly the most inspirational fixture ever. We've, we've played them um, what's that? about 60 times and it splits three ways, to be honest. Games won, 21 games for, uh, for Burnley. Games drawn, 19. Games won by Millwall, 19. So it's 21-19-19. It's pretty much a three-way split as i've said i can't think of any real standout fixtures over over time between the two clubs but i am looking today dear listener at the very first league meeting between burnley and Millwall, which happened in 1930 the 11th of october 1930 and that was a 2-1 victory for burnley and as is my want i've dug out um, a newspaper report from the athletic news no less dated uh, october thirteenth, 1930 uh, the headline of the match report Burnley's last kick drama, the error that felt that led to Mill's fall. Virile defence, says their correspondent, goes by the pen name of Centaurus. Why have sports correspondents, dear listeners, done away with the idea of pseudonyms or pen names? Nom de plume. Why don't we have that anymore? And why don't they use headlines like virile defence anymore? I think it should all be brought back. Uh, match report says Burnley 2, Mill 1. Real hard striving and persistence in attack. In the face of a magnificent opposition, that's us, dear listener, Millwall, had a well-deserved reward for Burnley, though it was only the last kick of the game that Burnley scored the goal, which won the match. So close to full-time was it that the whistle blew as the players walked towards the middle of the field. Um, so as they scored, as they were walking back, the final whistle has gone uh, and the dramatic finish was hailed with a big shout. There was not a great deal to choose between the two sides in the first half, says the Athletic News. Though even then Burnley would have more impressive as an attacking force. And Yule undoubtedly saved his side with some wonderful efforts. Now that Yule is Duncan Yule. I'm gonna come back to Duncan Yule because I like to deliver unto you, dear listener, the more obscure mill ploughs from the past. And I think Duncan Yule shouldn't be um, put in that, that category. I'm sure not many people might have heard of him. Goalkeeper from Scotland. As a department, there was nothing to equal the Mill halfbacks, says the, uh, very, the very florid way of speaking. As a department, there was nothing to equal the Mill halfbacks, says the Athletic News, and especially the wing halfbacks. But the error was made in not feeding Wadsworth more frequently. That's our striker. And Storer, another Mill player, was very weak uh, and allowed him any amount of latitude. Don't quite follow that, but anyway, there we are. The Millwall attack as a whole was very poor and gave very little help to a harassed defence. I can follow that. Whilst the way Cock, that's Jack Cock, was subdued by O'Dowd, who was not in his best form, was a big surprise. Uh, Ewell gave a great exhibition, so that's why I'm going to focus on Duncan Yule, And so did his back. So he had a gruelling time. The Millwall team is listed as Ewell, Moran, Pipe, Newcombe, Sweetman, Graham, Wadsworth... Landells, Jack Cock, Forsyth and Poxton. Um, now, this would be um, in October 1930. The 1930-31 season was a uh, in Division 2. Burnley had not long been relegated from the top flight. They were, of course, founder members of the Football League back in 1888, but they were finding life increasingly difficult and had been relegated a couple of seasons before. So they were a second division side, by a couple of years standing by the time this fixture took place. Uh, The crowd up there at at, at Turf Moor is listed on the Millwall History website as in the region of 10,000. Sometimes the crowds in those old days were a little, um, you know, uh, guessed at rather than than accurate. Um, This would be a uh, middle-ranking season for Millwall. We finished 14th in the table in Division 2 above Charlton. Um, Promoted that year were Everton and West Brom from Division 2. Relegated, being Reading and Cardiff bottom two. So on to Duncan Yule because I it struck me that um, he's not a name that is particularly well known. Not much on Wikipedia about about the player, but there is stuff on the wider internet if you search for it. Oh, there's a great photo of him in 1935 playing at the Den, uh, muddy um, Goldmouth at the Colblow Lane end, the the old stand opposite. It's a Getty images, so they've got their their logo plastered all over it, but it's a great. Um, you know, photograph, square posts as well. That's one for the kids back in the old days. I think in Scotland until relatively recently, square posts rather than round posts were the order of the day. Um, so that's on Getty Images. So dig that one out um, and don't um, uh, <laughs> be wary of their copyright because they're a bit hot on that. But anyway, it's worth a look. But what I did find was a website called Vintage Footballers. Dot com and it's got a picture of Duncan Yule wearing his, um, wonderful old knitted polar neck. Goalkeepers used to wear polar necks and often flat caps back in these times. It's an image taken in nineteen thirty five, and there's a there's a nice biography of him on it, which I thought I would just read in its entirety, um, because I think that Duncan Yule was one of our better goalkeepers of the of the day. So it's listed as old old Kirkpatrick, Dumbartonshire born. Duncan Ewell began his football career with Clydebank Juniors in 1921 before joining Scottish League St Mirren in 1923, for whom he made seven appearances. After a brief spell on loan at Clydebank in early 1925, he joined Dumbarton in 1926 and was a regular goalkeeper for the next two seasons, making 64 appearances and attracting the attention of Glasgow Rangers, who signed him in 1928. Um, Ewell made his debut for the Jers the same month in a Scottish Cup tie at East Stirlingshire, which Rangers won 6-0. And then he played four further matches for them during January and February before being displaced by, uh, by Tom Hamilton. Um, he then signed for Millwall, second division Millwall, in the summer of 1930, making his Football League debut against Reading that September and playing for Mill throughout the 1930s. Initially, you held the gloves before losing his place in 1931 to a former Newcastle goalkeeper called Willie Wilson, who remained ever present for the remainder of the season. That's the season we're talking about, 1930, 31. So the, he was in, in, um, you know, in tussling with Willie Wilson for the, the goalkeeper spot. And it, and throughout the, the remainder of the 19, early 1930s, remained as understudy to Wilson during that period. Um, he came into his own more in the late 30s, uh, Mill had been relegated to the third division. And uh, Ewell was the undisputed number one, as it puts it here, through to the end of 1937-38. And he played in our 1937 FA Cup semi-final team, which lost to the eventual winners Sunderland um, at Leeds Road Huddersfield. His Mill career was ended, uh, as so many other careers were ended in different ways by the Second World War, the onset of war in September 1939, by which time Duncan Yule had made 211 appearances for the Lions before he returned to Scotland to rejoin Dumbarton, making a further 23 appearances 1939 forward before he retired from the game. So that's that's as much as I know about Duncan Yule. There's a great photo of him. I will copy this and and post it with this particular episode, um, which I hope you've enjoyed. Um, Mill versus Burnley. Tonight's game is um, a Carabao Cup. Uh, action, being shown on the Carabao Cup channel, which is a, a strange concept, not, not via iFollow, but hey-ho, there we are. Um, but I thought it would just um, serve to whet your appetite for tonight's tonight's match. Can you think of any exciting Mill versus Burnley games that you want to mention? If you can reply to this thread on Twitter. Um, I can't think of any, so hopefully tonight will be one of the most astounding games ever between our two clubs.
0: Achtung, Achtung Millwall!
1: The Achtung Millwall Yearbook is now available via the Club.co.uk store. Visit the Supporters Club.co.uk store and buy your copy of the Achtung Millwall Yearbook. Just £13 including postage and packing within the UK. It's 128 pages worth of Millwall News, Views and Opinion. It's a great Christmas present. Visit the Mill store. All profits will benefit DeMelza, Evelina and the Mill Community Trust Foods Delivery Service. Coming up next on Acton Mill, dear Lister, we have a recording that I made for the Besotted Brentford podcast. Um, I sent it over to them earlier today, so I thought I'd just stick that into the show for your listening and aural delectation. So this is a piece recorded for the uh, the Brentford Besotted Podcast.
0: Achtung, Well,
1: hello, listeners. My name is Nick Hart. I am the uh, presenter, the producer, the the, uh, the the driving force behind my podcast, which is called Achtung Milwall, as in the Germanic word for attention or warning. Achtung uh, Millwall. I've been a, a mill fan since nineteen seventy two, so in that time I've seen us hit the uh some lows, some very, very highs, and sometimes some middling seasons with moments of ecstatic glory mixed in. That's the way of the lion. It's uh it's a mixed bag being a millwall fan. Millwall, of course, um went into the strange Project restart games at the end of last season back in uh, June, July. Seems a long time ago now, strangely. But uh, we came into it with high hopes. We were on a surge of form under under manager Gary Rowett. Um, I think probably more than any other club, and I, I'd say this um, with all due respect to all of the other clubs in the division. We missed our home advantage. Um, the Den is still a, a a unique environment in many ways. And more than any other club, we we miss that energy, that, that kind of um, home-intimidatory um, factor that uh, that makes us, in our eyes at least, such a special club. So to run through Billy's questions, number one, not a bad start for Millwall. Unbeaten this season, that's right, uh, with a win and a draw in the league and a couple of wins in the EFL Cup too, if we're counting those. Um, how, are you pleased with how you've kicked off? Yeah, it's been a good start to the season. A, a a draw against Stoke, 0-0 at home, very physical side Stoke. Uh, they came to try and boss the game. And as I've said already, in the absence of fans in the den, they were able to do that to a large extent, especially in the first half. Um, we didn't really carve out many chances, one good chance late in the second half. But that will be our our, our hurdle for the season is the creation and scoring of chances. I think we'll look defensively solid. We certainly kept Stoke at bay um, under a lot of pressure. And then the same again last weekend up at Rotherham. Similar kind of style of club, perhaps um, with a slightly more um, you know, forceful uh, and less uh, skilled approach, perhaps at Rotherham. But again, it was a bit like bombardment up there. And the defence and goalkeeper, Bart bielkowski our player of the season last year, stood firm. And I think that will be our our um, our rock upon which we may or may not build a challenge this year. Uh, the main issue for us to solve is the, uh, the attacking side of it, the creation of chances, and certainly then the execution of them in front of goal. And on that subject, I'm hoping that our loan signing for the season, Troy Parrott, who's loaned from Spurs, will be fit enough to make a start against Brentford on Saturday. A lot of hope is being invested in Troy. He's only 18. He comes to us with a, a YouTube reputation for you know European-level scoring in various Premier League-style tournaments. So um, he would certainly be a the missing piece in that jigsaw. We always have the old, faithful, good old Matt Smith, who was top scorer last season, in actual fact. Um, Matt I like, and I think if you serve Matt up the, the chances and the crossing and the right kind of uh, crosses, he'll get your goals. So um, a lot rests, I think, on the... Um, the, the younger movement and, and footballing brain of Troy Parrott, but we do have Matt Smith to, to fall back on if it comes to a, you know, a late 20-minute, last 20-minute up-and-under um, up style of approach. Achtung, Mehlball, Mehlball. Gary Rowett showed what he could do last season. Are you happy with him, manager? Yeah, very, very happy. Um, Neil Harris's time, as much as a, he's a club legend as a player and, and to some extent as a manager too, but Neil Harris's time was up with a capital U and a capital P when he left us in um, October 2019, which seems forever ago. It's a year ago now, nearly. Um, since then, Gary Rowett has come in with a... One or two additions to the squads over time since. Uh, we've got the loan of uh, Mason Bennett, or the signing of Mason Bennett now, the loan of Ryan Woods from Stoke, Mason Bennett from Derby, and as I've said already, the uh, the highly um, anticipated season-long loan of Troy Parrott from, from Spurs. Um, Rowett's main change to the Millwall style is to... Take us away slightly from the Neil Harris direct route, which was probably ultimately found out in a a, a 4-0 crushing at at Fulham last season uh, with the humiliating uh, percentage of possession of 85% to Fulham and just 15% for us. That was probably the moment where everyone's um, switch went to to overload as the Boomtown Rats once sang. Um, Since then, Rowett has introduced a more um, considered style Passing based, perhaps to some degree. Um, looking to um, work the the channels down the down the flanks. Get get the likes now of Scott Malone, another signing in the summer down the down the left, and Marlon Romeo, presuming he's fit, he was a very uh, you know one of our best players on the right. Um, with the likes of Jed Wallace and Mason Bennett operating in a slightly freer role on on the left and right of the of the centre, going forward, so he certainly introduced more subtlety into the Mill tactics than perhaps Brentford might have expected traditionally on on a trip to the Den. Question three: Many pundits have tipped Millwall for a playoff place this season. Are you confident you can make it? Well, um, as I've said, I started going in nineteen seventy two which is, what, almost a short of 50 years' worth of support for Mill, which is a galling thing to, to say out loud. Um, one thing I've learned over my life following Mill is you should never expect success. You you are not there for the glory, uh, the trophy cabinet, blah, blah, blah. Um, I think we have a strong chance. I think if, um, if we can solve the conundrum of creation of chances and execution of those chances um, in front of goal... Then yes, we have every chance to make certainly the top, the top ten, with a shout for a top six place. Um, given given the financial crisis that is going to afflict the game generally, um, that's not a, a bad thing to be able to say for a, a Mill supporter. Um, obviously, much remains to be seen on that front. None of us, uh, Brentford or Mill, alike. Quite know how that 's going to turn out, so we, uh, we we set sail in hope as they said on the trip to the uh, the Mayflower trip to the new world i don 't know what that 's got to do with it it just occurred to me question four any significant movement in or out in the transfer window so far um, nothing in the transfer window I mean obviously there was the loan signing of Troy parrot that we 've mentioned already the signatures of um, Ryan woods uh, on on loan for the season from Stoke and uh mason bennett two two good players influential in their different ways um otherwise nothing going out which is unusual for the lines we haven't actually had to sell anyone. There's don't no, no, no kind of marquee signings i get a sense and i don't know how you see it from your new home in uh, shiny queue uh, but i don't get a sense there's that much money flying around and clearly with the covid you know the impact of that which is um put the kibosh on all of our, our plans to restart in October, then who knows how much um, you know how much money there will be to to knock about for the remainder of the season. We will see on that front. But those are the those ones I've mentioned already are the main names to to draw your attention to. Question five: A general reflection on football at present in general. Any reflections on the back end of last season? Any thoughts on the coming season? COVID games, Millwall, other teams. Number five. Whoa. Well, we are living in the strangest period ever uh, aren't we um none of us i think listening to this show would have been around for the outbreak of the second world war but it's about the closest thing that i can think of in terms of um such a kind of a cataclysmic effect on everyday life and as we're speaking on a, a sports football show um on on the uh, the game itself um None of us know how it's going to pan out, which is disconcerting, to say the least. The government's late, late, late uh, U-turn on um, the return of fans uh, to to uh, football grounds from October the 1st has certainly, certainly caused consternation, to say the least, at the dent. I dare say it has at, uh, at Brentford. Who knows whether the government has a handle on this? We, we are not a political show here, so I'm not going to say any more than... Um this has been a very late in the day U-turn. Obviously, ultimately, life and death must um prevail. But there's a whole debate about the safety of going to football when every day all of us listening to this show watch people get onto the underground or the bus or the train going into whichever destination from whichever part of London that you're that you're listening to. There's a lot of questions that are raised and the state of football, clearly, this is a crisis that runs to the very heart of football. The Premier League, of course, will sail on, although I think even reading today's reports, uh, even the great BM of, of the Premier League will be feeling the chill if no fans are allowed in over the course of the whole season. Um, certainly the Championship, um, We, I'm not sure how we can carry on forever like we are at the moment with um, wages going out and, you know, only I follow income coming in. I don't know how your I follow is incidentally, Brentford listeners. Ours is utter, utter pony. I uh, delete that, Billy, if, uh, if that language is too strong for the show, mate. Um, who knows where it's going to lead us to? I've got a dread feeling, um, a dystopian dread feeling that it's leading us to a sealed NFL-style Premier League with a um a feeder championship of clubs able to survive the uh the the onslaught and then you know a, a, de- a sea of desolation elsewhere across the game i hope i'm wrong i really am hope i'm wrong but that is where i see it leading at the moment unless someone can show me some hopeful um you know birds fluttering on the horizon and, and the sun rising over distant uplands that's where i see it headed at the moment question 5 question 6 can't remember which question it is. Question last, as they used to say in the Hill Street Blues. How do you think your lineup will line up on Saturday? I think it's almost certain you're going to see Bartosz Bielkovsky and goal. Can't imagine he won't be. The ever-present Jake Cooper will be the rock of defense alongside Shane Hutchinson. Sean Hutchinson, not Shane Hutchinson. Sean Hutchinson, possibly Alex Pierce, possibly Murray Wallace, those are the, the, the one or the other, I think, in a 3 man back line. On the wings, I think you'll see Scott Malone on the left and on the right. I would imagine on Romeo. He did look a little rusty last weekend at uh, at Rotherham. He is coming back off of an injury, so he may start. I hope he does start. He's a very talented boy, and offers uh, with, with Malone on the left and Romeo on the right. If they're functioning on all cylinders, then that will be a. Um, a very strong wing attack. Across the middle, almost certainly you're going to see ex-Brentford player Ryan Woods, uh, who I understand was a player of the season in previous times gone by. Um, He's really coming into his own. When I first saw him, I will be honest, I couldn't see what the fuss was about. Um, But his, his kind of ability to pick the pass from deep positions has really come on strong over the... The, uh, the the, the post lockdown period and certainly this this season. I think he'll be alongside Ryan Leonard, who seems to be favoured at the moment over Ben Thompson by um, manager Gary Rowlett. Up front, almost certainly you'll see um, you'll see you'll see Jed Wallace, one of our best players, scorer of a good goal last last week at Rotherham at the New York Stadium. You'll probably see Mason Bennett, a player that I like, a troubled boy from from Derby, but with talent. Um, and an ability to run and one of these kind of classic players that, that Millwall seem to serve this purpose as a kind of a rehabilitation centre for the lost, the sad and the lonely and Mason I think likes it at Millwall he's, he's getting along fine and I think he'll start the main question mark really is who's going to be in the centre of the attack will it be Tom Bradshaw who has been full of running but un, unlucky in front of goal and un, unlucky in, in, is one way to put it um, possibly Matt Smith may start uh, to give us a goal-scoring ability. Matt is not the most mobile, um, but he is a man who knows how to score goals. He may start. Will we see the the, the, the kind of much-anticipated Troy Parrott? I don't know. Um, I think he'll certainly be on the bench rather than starting. Millwall v Brentford games tend to be um, entertaining fixtures without... I, I personally feel without the fire and brimstone that you normally associate with a London derby, I'm just looking at the previous results. We had that heartbreaking loss at uh, Griffin Park last season, where we gave up a, a slightly lucky two nil lead in all honesty to um, to a good comeback late in the game for for Brentford. Um, a one 0 win at home for Mill. They tend to be. It tends to be, in my opinion. Um, that we are stronger at home and Brentford are stronger at home in in the past. But um, you can never bank on it. Um, I'm looking forward to a good game. I'm going to be following it on the I follow. Um, I expect Brentford to do well this season. Um, Certainly the the loss of uh, Ollie Watkins, who's gone to to Aston Villa, will be a big hole to fill. But Brentford do have a track record of finding players that... um, you haven't heard of before and, and turning them into, into stars. So um, it's going to be an interesting season from the, the Bees' perspective. It's going to be a very interesting season from the Lions' perspective. I think we'll be playing two slightly different styles of football, but probably closer to each other, perhaps, in that way than you will have seen in, in games gone past. So um, anticipating a good game. Um, I always let my heart run my head when it comes to score predictions. So I know I'm on a Brentford show, so you'll have to forgive me, but I think we'll edge it 1-0. Big thank you to Billy. All the best wishes to Billy and Besotted. And uh, this is Nick Hart signing off for the Besotted fan preview. Thank you for listening to this short and sharp episode, dear listeners. Wham bam, thank you, man. This is Nick Hart signing out for Akdung Millwall. Uh, We'll be back tomorrow with our regular Real Millwall fan show. Um, Until then. Thank you for listening. Bye for now. Arriva Dirty Millwall. Thank you for listening to Atkin Millwall. If you enjoyed the show, please head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a cheeky review. Arriva Dirty Millwall. Till you next time.